Testimony time. Did she forget already? Ingmar's clear. She's in the back. Okay. Why don't you come first real quick, testify, and then then you, and then where's... There you are. Why don't we come just make a line. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm Cherie, for those people who don't know me. Um, last night when Pastor Derek was praying for depression and illness, I just put everything out there for God to heal me. And he did. He healed me instantly. I knew just like that that I'd been healed. So praise be to God and that his works are always true. And it doesn't matter what you're feeling, how long you've been feeling, but thank you, Lord, that I feel alive and well. Well, I was just talking to Pastor Derek before and telling him about um, our sister Anita. Um, a few of you might have known that she's had a um, rare spinal condition, well, probably since she was born. And what it is, it's one of the bones in the spine, the vertebrae, has come forward. So what happens is where the spinal cord goes through the spine, it actually contacts it and it causes severe, severe pain. And um, the other night she got prayed for and God healed her instantly. Praise God. <laughs> She said she could literally feel the bone shifting back and then she stood against the wall and she got me to test it um, and it was just fine. You know, I could hardly get my hand through there where normally you could fit your whole arm and maybe body if you tried <laughs> through the gap because it was that big. And um, I was saying that since then she's had severe muscle pain, sort of muscle pain. And she said what she knows that is, is it's the body's readjusting to the new structure. So she can tell even though that pain, it's a good pain because she knows that God's healing her. So it's awesome. Praise God. <laughs> Just want to give a little commentary on that. Um, did you notice she got healed but she had pain? Right? So it's just like when you, if you were to cut your hand and it's, it gets healed, but it's still tender. And so that's why it's so important to go by the word. And she felt, you know, I mean, that's, okay, if you get healed, you know you get healed. You know what I'm saying? So, we're, so again, remember, faith is not denying something. Faith is dealing with it, believing. So remember, the key to victory you make a decision to believe God. You act on the word. And then in, on that in-between time, you keep confessing the word, and then it manifests. So what happened was she got an instant result. She felt the, the vertebrae press back in, and that actually produced pain. So she got healed, but it was pain. And so now she's walking that out. But just imagine if she was only thinking, oh, I, I have pain and I'm not healed. So that's just something to consider because, again, uh, there's there's a, a process that happens, and uh, Lake used to call it the science of divine healing, uh, which is just a fancy way of saying how God does it. He showed uh, the children of Israel his acts, but he showed Moses his ways. And so we're blessed uh, to be you know, learning how, how God does it. Um, Pastor Derek was uh, talking earlier about how sometimes we get healed and then the enemy... Um, tries to confuse us into thinking that we haven't, well, that we've lost our healing. A few years back, and you all know this story, but I'm going to tell you the part of it that I haven't really told people, is that um, I had that same back condition as Anita, only uh, two of my vertebrae had 
I slipped and um, I also had life-threatening allergies so couldn't eat anything or be in a room with anything that I was allergic to otherwise it was kind of you know in and out of hospitals for the next week um, yeah it was at Sosa and, and Pastor Wayne was here and he was actually talking about Dale Gunning and he said your answer's been delivered now and he snapped his fingers and I got healed down the back which was just amazing because up until that I hadn't had a pain-free day for maybe a decade and, you know, not much. And he couldn't eat anything fun at all, actually. That was really annoying for a person like me who always liked food. But what happened when I got into the car is um, I, I got into the car and I, f- I knew I was healed. But when I sat down, I felt this terrible pain that I knew was, you know, supposed to be a back pain. Terrible pain come up one of my legs. And I spoke to, I spoke to my leg and I said, no, you're healed. In the name of Jesus, you're healed. And the pain went back down that leg and then came up this leg. And I went... No, you're healed. And it went back down again. And then I sat there and actually my, my legs numbed out. And I just started laughing because I knew this was the enemy trying to lie to me to say that I wasn't healed and trapped me back in bondage. So then I did what, you know, I did one thing that I couldn't do before. And Patrick and I went to McDonald's and got a cheeseburger. <laughs> but yeah, so I just like to encourage you that you can hold on to your healing. You just got to, sometimes you just got to talk to it and say, nah, I've got this answer. So yeah. Hallelujah. The gospel works. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. Um, We're on the home stretch here. Uh, Let me see. Why don't we stay along that line and go to the book of Philemon. Philemon, I don't know how you say it. How do you say it? Philemon. Phil, the book of Phil. (laughs) What did you say? This brother said, he said, Jesus did tell us to take a pill. It's called the gospel. I said, okay. You Aussies, I don't know. All right. Chapter 1. And in verse 6. It's a very interesting verse. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, New Testament, right? that little letter right before Hebrews. Are you there? Let's look at verse 6 together. Hallelujah, Lord, we just thank you for this time. We just bless your name. We thank you for your presence. And we love you and we just honor you. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Hallelujah. Philemon 1.6, that the communication of your faith, I'm reading from the King James um, because I like it in this that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you this session on how to activate your faith. This verse is telling us how to do it. The communication of your faith may become effectual. So there, there, there must be, there's faith that's effectual, faith that's ineffectual. So how do you do it? You acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You see it there? Something happens when you start to believe and acknowledge all the good that's in you because of Jesus. Who you are in Him. And I know I've been 
hammering this and saying it, and, and but it's it's so important because all the time the enemy is going to try to come and the world's going to try to come and religion's going to try to come and convince you and give you an identity crisis and convince you of something that you're not. And the key is you can't separate yourself from him, in him. Amen? So your faith becomes effective and energized when you recognize and agree with what the Word says about you. Amen? So everything that Jesus has, everything that he is, is in your DNA. Do you believe that? That's why Paul said, I lay Christ as a foundation. So it's not just teaching, it's Christ as a person. The foundation's a person. Everything he did, everything that he said, the way he ministered to the disciples, the way he dealt with the woman at the well, the way he, he prayed to the Father, everything he accomplished, the cross, after the cross, his whole person, he is the foundation of the church. Amen? So your faith becomes active. It means it becomes effectual. How does that happen? The first step in activating your faith. Acknowledge all the good things that you are in Him. Amen? That's simple, but, it's, but that's why we make confessions. I'm a son of God. I'm the devil's master. I'm man's servant. Or you take, you take anything that the Word says you are. I'm the righteousness of God by faith in Christ Jesus. But you know, what religion will do is convince you that you're lying. But then there's a doctrine out there that takes it to an extreme. And there's people that say, I, you know, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. Now, there's a truth in it, but God expects us to be obedient to his word. So it's not a name it and claim it theology. Right? But, but it's a conscious decision to say, this is who I am in Christ. This is who he is in me. That the communication of your faith. So faith must be communicated. How is it communicated? By acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And because of that, because you acknowledge that, then your faith becomes activated. So what, what's the bottom line? Acknowledge who's in you. Amen? You're one with him, not separate from him. So that's the first step. You activate your faith, and then, what do you, then after that you must apply your faith. All right, let's write down how to apply our faith. Do you, do you guys, in sports, do you guys have what's called the zone? All right, so, okay, so you understand what I mean? So get into the zone. That's what I mean by apply your faith. You get into the zone. When you're stirred up and your, your mind and your spirit are aligned and you're walking in faith and, you, you know, you're walking with the Lord, you're in the zone. So I always tell V, she always, t well, she actually always tells me. She's like, baby, when you're in the zone, she's like, forget about it. What she means is, she's like, when you're in your element, you don't miss. And so it's only when I'm outside in you we live, in you we move. So when you get outside of that, you're like a normal man. So you got to learn how. What is your element? I mean, he's our element. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's learning how Holy Spirit flows through you, how he communicates with you. 
Like for me, every time, and I suppose God allows it, you know, but it's like before I do one of these, the night before is always the hardest. Because I want to do a good job, and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm, you know, pressing in, and I'm like, okay, you know. And then it's, you always have that nervousness. It's the same way even when you minister to people. You're going to go pray for someone. So you have that. And what needs to happen is you, you, you push all that emotion and nervousness and all that aside, and then you get into the zone. You, you start acknowledging, I, Christ is in me. I can do it. You activate your faith. Amen? But then you've got to apply it. You get in there. And then once, once you do it, it's like everything just starts to flow. So you get into the zone. Amen? So how do you do that? The first way is by resting. That means To rest means we count it done. We consider it done. When you minister to someone, whether it's believing God for yourself or for someone else, you have to settle it. That means... You see the outcome as a settled, done thing before it happens. So in your mind, your mind and your spirit work together, right? If these two agree, it shall be granted, right? So your mind and spirit have to agree. And what happens is, is you are looking at the situation or the problem, and you're reading it like it's next week's newspaper. Like, oh, this is what happened. Hallelujah. That's faith. That's applying your faith. And then everything that doesn't line up with that story, no, that's not what I'm reading. No, no, this is the way it is. This is, this is what happened. This is in Jesus' name. And you just keep, you stay on it. Amen? So it takes, it takes no faith to report what you see, does it? But Romans 4.17 says, calling forth that which is not, as though it were. Amen? So, so you, you get into the zone by settling it by considering it done, by resting, by deciding that the situation you're dealing with has been dealt with. Once you deal with it, it's been dealt with. There have been so many times when, you know, you, you are believing for something. I've been believing for something. And the opposite happens. A lot of times you get prayed for and then you get worse. That's when you've got to rise up and believe and say, no. Like, you remember what Claire said? She, she felt the pain. No. No. And she kept, because that was settled in her heart, in her mind. That's why it manifested. Amen? So God put healing in there, and then it, she stood on that word. Amen? So we need to learn not only how to have that for ourselves, but then for others. Because not everyone is going to be as strong as us, so you've got to keep saying, no, I said this is the way it's going to be. I don't mean maybe. This is the way it's going to be. So you're never, you're never starting over. Amen? So activate your faith. Apply your faith. Decide the answer is already given, and it's applied to you directly this instant. Amen? Let's go to... Uh, so that's activating your faith, applying your faith. That's easy, right? Simple. Simple anyway. It's not always easy, but it's simple.
Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 now. I'm going to combine some of Lake's notes. I'm going to call it the same thing. This is called His Secret of Spiritual Power on page 84. I don't know if it's this. Are are all the manuals the same or no? They're not? Okay, so it's it looks like this, this page. It just says, Lake's Secrets of Spiritual Power. 89 in that one? Okay, 84 in one, 89 in the others. Huh? So let me just get through this real quick, and then we'll go to Philippians. Got it? All right, the, it says number one, spiritual hunger. The secret of power is spiritual. Number one is spiritual hunger. You know, when you're hungry, uh, bad food tastes really good. Right? I was in Mexico preaching and uh, in the mountains. I don't know where I was. I went with a group, and it was my session. And there was no church. The church was on the church was on top of this mountain. So I'm ministering, and God, God moved. And then the prophet's honor was to have goat. And I said, "Okay, that's fine." So they roasted a goat. The only problem was the part that I had was looking at me. So the pastor and I, you know, I had I had to eat this because this is the prophet's honor, you know. So you somehow lose your appetite. They just had buckets of meat, you know, bones are out there and tortillas. I thought that's not so bad. You just, so they were just taking a handful of meat and slapping it in a tortilla and, you know. But the word says, eat what, sets before, what is set before you. So I thought, I can undo everything I just preached by making this man feel bad. So I have to honor that. Are you hearing that? So the most meat was on the cheeks. So I just ripped it off the cheek. I thought, okay, I don't have to. Let me, let me just do this. So I just, you know. And just, you just deal with it, you know. But, that, but man, that guy, he, that whole head was clean but when it was over. That was something else. He was ripping the gums out and everything. Just took that whole, the whole skull and I thought. Now that sounds really disgusting to most of us. Where that's, you probably aren't going to go home and have some goat, goat head tonight before the meeting. But the principle is if you are starving, that goat head looks mighty good. You, you, you will suddenly... Do things you never thought you would do. I had a professor once that she told us a story how she was studying all night for her exams and she hadn't eaten for a long time and, you know, she went in and had, she was so out of it and tired and hungry, she just started eating the donuts. But these donuts were, she didn't realize it was, it was she realized in the morning that they were all moldy and nasty and, but she was so hungry 
And see, that's a principle. There's, a, there's like a cycle that God creates in us when we are spiritually hungry for something. Amen? That's, that's God. That's God's Spirit. That's the first movement of the Spirit, creating a hunger. Hunger for souls. Hunger for healing. Hunger for, to seeing God move in our city. So that's, that's a secret of power. Why? Because God promises in Matthew 5, 6, as it says right here, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we have to learn how to develop spiritual hunger. And uh, this is how Lake would teach his guys. He says the same way you develop physical hunger. Increase energy output, which will require greater energy input. In other words, force yourself to do the things you don't normally do, like a treasure hunt, like going to pray for someone. Amen? Eat more often than you're used to. This will stretch your stomach, forcing you to eat more next time just to feel full. So he's not saying natural food. He's saying spiritual food. Amen? Example, pray more often, study the Bible more often, witness more often, begin to practice what you learn in church. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. So this is really important because sometimes we're waiting to feel something before we do it. But like in everything, you step out and then it comes. Amen? The second thing he covers here, obviously, is feeding on the Word of God. Amen? Reading. So I said, I think, I think it's great to read the Bible once a year or take a portion of the Scripture, get the overall story. So there's just reading, then there's study. That means you take a verse apart word by word. You get the definitions of the word. You study the context. Amen. Context is everything in the word. Amen. And then meditation. That's why he said to Joshua, if you meditate on the word day and night, you'll have good success. You'll make your way prosperous. So so our success is depending if we meditate on the word, if we're obedient to the word. Amen. So you think about it over and over. You, you say it. The word meditate literally means to mutter to yourself. So especially, let's say, let's say um, you know, you're going to do one of these seminars or you're going to go with a team and invade a certain area. You're sent out by your church and you're ministering like this. Do all your preparation before. Do your fasting before. Do your prayer before. Because when you get into the front lines, you don't... You're going through things and you don't always have time to pray the same way that you would. So I'll build myself up before I go. So I fasted before I came here. I prayed before I came. I spent hours. I said, you know, just get, getting my time in with the Lord. Because once you get to the, where you're going, you never know what's going to happen. And so you have to think, I'm ready. Christ is in me. So you do everything on your part and then you trust in him. So then you get to where you're going, right? And when you are in between, like every time I go back, what I'll do is I'll meditate. I'll pray in tongues, but it's like maintenance tongues. I say, I'll just commune with the Lord, Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Sometimes I'll just lay down and I'll, I'll be thinking. I'll let the Spirit of God speak to me. What, what scriptures are going to go on or what, what are you going to do in the meeting tonight or how, you know. So I remember one time I was with Dr. Jonathan and we were in Chicago. And we went to this church. And... It was pretty wild. I was waiting for, you know, the elephant to come out on the unicycle on the, you know, on the, it was just, it was pandemonium. You had, you, had, you know, people, all kinds of dancers were doing their own thing. Someone had a crown and they're just, the costumes were there and 
some people were fighting as they were dancing, and there was another one with kids were asleep on the stairs, and you're, just, you're like, you're looking at this. I've seen a lot of weird things from in my city, okay? So, so I'm, I'm just, I'm like so curious, what's he going to do? You know, like, how's he? How's he going to flow, you know? And, uh, and so he gets up there, and he preaches like a house on fire. He turns the whole thing around, and everyone's just, you know, do you guys have the little rascals, the three stooges? You know, buckwheat? The buckwheat anointing was there. People's hair is standing straight up like... <laughs> so, he, so we get done. It was a great meeting. He sits down to me and he goes, I had nothing. I said, what? I said, what do you mean you had nothing? So he goes, well, I asked the Lord what do you want to say tonight? And he didn't say anything to me. So I just said, thank you, sir. And that was it. So, so the point is that sometimes God will show you specifically what's going to go on. Other times you get there and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. So you, that's when you operate by faith. So the principle, I'm moved by the Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't move me, I move the Spirit. So there's this cooperation always. Sometimes God will speak. Like when, I, when we came back, I said, hey, the Lord spoke to me specifically. You've passed the test of failure. Now you're going to pass the test of success. So that was a a proceeding word, a prophetic word that came. But when that doesn't come, what do you do? You operate by the word. And then the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, just spontaneously flows out of you. So that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. We operate by commands, and then the special leadings come. Amen? And so a lot of times, just... Because if you try to push it too hard on your own, things won't flow. So you do all your preparation before. Like Finney, he had, uh, was it Father Nash? Is that what they call him? You guys know what I'm talking about? That was like his intercessor. So Nash would pray, and then Finney would go in and see the results. So there was a lot of preparation that went in before in the spirit world. They're hitting things, and then Finney would come in, and all kinds of revival would break out and things like that. So the point is, is, when you're operating, it's obviously best to go as teams. And w- when we're doing things together, right, that's, that's the best. But if you're in a situation where you're ministering, you have to carry something, do all your preparation before, and then learn to just rest and meditate. In between the sessions, commune with the Lord. That's why pastors are always encouraging you, you know, just, just try to stay in the flow of what God is doing because that's how you keep staying in tune. You'll get more. Amen? All right, so that's uh, number two. Number three is communion with God. So spiritual hunger, feeding on the word, communion with God. That's kind of what I was already saying. So you have talking prayer. You have listening prayer. Amen. Don't do all the talking, right? Listen. Right? Sometimes we say everything, and they say, well, how come God didn't say anything to me? Because you, you, you never stop talking, you know. It's true, isn't it? All right, practice the presence of the Spirit of God. Amen? So the indwelling presence is there, but you've got to practice the presence. Be conscious of His presence. You realize how much that would just clean up the church if we just really believed He's, he's watching 24-7. His eyes roam to and fro. The fear of the Lord. Amen? 
how can I how can I dishonor you, cheat you, if, if Christ is in you? That value system. Amen? Number four, fellowship with like-minded Christians. If you're in a religious church, <clears throat> the odds are you won't change it. That's why you've got to find a good, good shepherd, a good pastor. We've got good pastors here, praise the Lord. Amen. Men of God that will feed us with wisdom and knowledge. And we need to talk and inspire one another. Amen. So get around the people that believe like you do. If there's none in your area, he says win some. I like that. Then disciple them. Amen. Number five, public confession of who you are in Christ. We just kind of talked about that, didn't we? Applying your faith, activating your faith. Jesus is Lord of you, your family, your city, your nation, your finances, your health. Public confession. Amen. The Great Commission, the Golden Rule, do unto others. The anointing that abides. Confess your power over the enemy. We haven't read that scripture. Let's look at that in Luke 10. And then we'll go to Philippians 2. Luke chapter 10. Verse 17. Luke ten seventeen. the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. So the enemy doesn't have authority, but he has power. He has a measure of power. Is that true? When an when a evil spirit manifests, there's a presence. And you, that's why God, as you grow in this, he's going he's to let you encounter things. And it's not always pleasant. I remember the first time I saw a demon, I was like, I think I was like 16 years old. And it wasn't fun. Because you know, the, thing, the thing, I started to learn how to pray. I didn't know anything. I just had a burden for souls and kids in my school and I wanted to win them. And I started to pray and, you know, started to speak and just, and all of a sudden, you know, I started to have this warfare. And the first time it was like a presence that came in the room. It's just like paralyzing. Like you can't speak, you can't do anything. I'm sure, you know, many of you have had that. And then the next time it was like, I saw it. And I'm, you know, you're freaking out, thinking, is this, you know. It was pr- pushing me down. Its, hand, its hands were huge, and, you know. So now I'm really, I was, I was so scared. I wanted, I wanted to uh, actually go and sleep in my mom and dad's room. Because it's like, that presence was so terrifying. And see, when we, when we start to engage the powers of hell... You have to remember that when you get hit with something, it doesn't mean you're not strong. You understand? It doesn't mean you're not in faith or... But, man, that presence, that presence was like, you know... So now, now I'm dreading going to sleep. And I'm like, you know, 
who can I talk to? Who can I tell? This is, you know, I thought, I, you know, when you don't know anything, you think you're the only one. You know, Elijah said, I'm the only one, Lord. He said, no, 7,000 haven't bowed their knee. So, you know, God trains you this way. He trains, he trains you. He lets you encounter things. And then the, so finally I'm like, God, you've got to help me. This is, this is too out there for me, you know. And so I heard the Lord tell me, he said, he said that I'm going I'm to allow, this is what he said, I'm, I will allow this demon to come back tonight. He says, you're going to meet him head on. He's going to come in your room. I want you to laugh at him because he's defeated. So, you know, it's kind of like mixed emotions at that point. It's kind of like, so you're letting him back. You're telling me he's coming. But, you, you know, and so it happened. That thing, the thing came in, and I remember what the Holy Spirit said. And I just started laughing. I said, you know, you're defeated. Jesus has defeated you. And that thing just broke. Amen. Just it fled and it started praising God and singing to the Lord. And so the point is, is that we have to practice His presence, and we have to understand that there are things that God will do to, to to toughen you. I guess is what I'm trying to say. All right. And so even though there's a presence of the enemy, even though there's a power that He has, we have a superior power. Amen. Witchcraft is real. Devils are real. But what we're not to do is magnify the devil. It's like we get together and we start to pray. And the first thing, in the name of Jesus, we come against the devil. We bind the devils. And we, you know, that's not right because you're, you, are, you should be acknowledging the one with the superior firepower. That's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what happens is if you've been under attack a long time, you, it's like you get shell-shocked. And so you get, do, you, do you use the expression punch drunk? So you get hit so many times, and then you get confused who your friends are. And so now you're swinging at your friends now, too, because you've been under fire for so long. You've been under attack for so long. So what we have to do is we've got to rise above that by faith. Acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. And you starve the negative, and you feed the positive. So if I walk in the house and I feel, I feel a spirit of heaviness, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The river of God is... So you're not going to... I'm not going to acknowledge the wrong or what's trying to take it out. I'm going to acknowledge what, what the answer is in the Word. Can you say amen to that? Otherwise, your focus becomes wrong and you'll become devil conscious. And you, you become a victim in your mindset. That's why sometimes if, if, you're, if you tend to be more of a seer, you can get messed up. If, you're more, if you have more of a prophetic inclination, sometimes, sometimes especially intercessors and prophetic people, they can um, have a tendency to, to be moody and to swing because you're so sensitive, you pick up things. Are you hearing? So the, so the, the prophetic element in our lives... You know, prophetic people, prophets, they're famous for smelling a rat. Right? Because you discern, you pick up. So what you have to do is you can't let what you see contaminate you. You can't let, you, you can't let what you pick up contaminate you because there's a difference between what God is saying and what you're seeing. There's a difference between sight and vision. The vision is the assignment. The vision is the mission, Right? But what we see could, be, could just be sight. You know, like, like every time we drive to the meetings here, you pass all kinds of scenery on the road. 
It doesn't mean you're supposed to, you know, I saw the kangaroo and now I have to do something about it. No, it's just, that's just sight. Just don't worry about that. Amen? Stay on the word. Stay on the mission. So realize this, that we have power over the enemy. Amen? We have power to subdue him, and that's what we're to do. Hallelujah. Okay, the, la- the number six in the manual, he's praying in tongues. We've heard a teaching in our network about uh, called Building in the Spirit. It's just so interesting to me that over a hundred, <coughs> excuse me, over a hundred years ago, people understood this. Praying in tongues loud. The enemy's always trying to make you passive, you know. Makes a church like a library, you know. Did you ever hear, did, did you ever hear about the blonde who came into the library? This is a this is a good blonde joke. You ready? Oh, come on, if you're blonde, don't be, don't get mad now. Come on, just I'm just playing. Let's be careful. It's the afternoon, so I got I have to make you laugh. So the blonde walks into the library, and she says, "I would like a Big Mac with a Coke and fries." In the library, and the lady says, "Because my wife is blonde." Okay, I'm not, don't get. It. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not being mean to you. Come on. I'm just playing with you. Just playing. So the lady says, this is a library. So she says, I would like a Big Mac and a Coke and fries. (laughs) We all have our moments, don't we? Hallelujah. So God, pray in tongues long, pray in tongues loud. You know why? Because it shuts down other thoughts. And constantly, as, you, as you're learning this technology, you are, you are having to renew your minds and shut down your thoughts. So that's why I always start with the Spirit. Stir up your spirit. Amen. Pray in tongues loud. Pray in tongues long. Build, your, build, build up longer and longer so you can go a long time. All right? That that's, has to do with intensity. He says here, fight as if your life depends on it. Sometimes, again, it's not that we don't have, it's not that you don't have faith, but sometimes our will is involved. The, the tenacity, the persistence, the willingness to let go or not let go of something. Amen? So these are all principles. Hallelujah. And number seven, of course, is action. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen? I just want to read, I'm, I'm just uh, reading off some of these things so that you can hear it on the, on the teaching CD. If you're driving, you want to go over these, this again, obviously you can read it in your notes, but it's just good to hear it. Amen? This is what we believe about divine healing. It's the next, the next page over. First is we believe that divine healing is the right and responsibility of every Christian. Amen? They that believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. Amen? We believe that any hindrance to healing of any, of any Christian is not of God. In other words, the Lord, the Lord wants to heal us. Amen? We, we believe that God is not our problem, but rather he's our help. That's good, isn't it? We believe that any hindrance to healing is on the part of the enemy. We believe that any sickness or disease can be overcome by a Christian. If the Christian will exercise faith and power. 
We believe that the enemy is not a serious hindrance and can be overcome by any Christian using the available tools and weapons provided by God. Hallelujah. We believe that, that the enemy can only be truly defeated by spiritual weapons, not by carnal, natural weapons devised by man. In other words, you can get treatment for it, but it has to be destroyed by the, by the power of God. Amen? We believe that Christians and, and non-Christians without faith for healing can be healed when other Christians exercise kingdom authority. That's true. We've proven that in the scripture. Amen? We believe that all sickness and disease is a work of the enemy and is to be defeated whenever and wherever they are encountered. Is that all right? I'd like to read you... See what page it's on. A very interesting letter. Uh, that is on. It's page eighty in here. So I guess we're like nine pages off from the other manuals. I don't know. This is John J. Lake's letter to Carrie Judd Montgomery. Eighty-five and the other one. Okay. Eighty or eighty-five. Lake's letter. Now, I, wanna, I just want to make it clear, you know, I, I really haven't given you guys a whole lot of the history on Lake, so I expect, you know, I'm sure you'll study that out. We're not, I want to say it again, we're not trying to lift up a man. All right, John G. Lake didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. Amen. And really, he didn't believe in mantles. He didn't, he, there's really no New Testament reference to a mantle. Um, sometimes we use that word to describe a grace or an impartation that we receive. But if you think of it in an Old Testament way, then it's like, well, if you got that mantle and I don't have that, then I can't do anything. Right? So it's like, well, Timothy had Paul's mantle. Well, whose mantle did Paul have? You know, it's like, so if you think in terms of that, it's going to really actually be ineffective, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hinder you. So we have to think in terms of, I have, I have Christ. Amen? And yes, we're growing up into him. Hallelujah. And so we, we believe in mantles in the sense of there are dimensions of the spirit that we're growing up into. Right? But, but if you look in the New Testament, there's really no mention of it. So it's just, again, it's how, how you view it, how you, how you understand it. Amen? Okay, so John G. Lake's letter to Carrie Judd Montgomery. This is important. He says, Dear Sister in Christ, enclosed to find some letters with incidents, etc., of what the Lord is doing among us. Reverend Stevenson has arranged for us with a friend for the circulation of the letter which you, which you find enclosed. No emails in these days, huh? I regard, it as a, I regard it as a striking example of the force with which this gospel comes to people of open mind, and was pleased to have a man of his caliber concerning the work. Of course, he viewed the work on a day when the Spirit of God was moving mightily. It was an extraordinary day. Therefore, it's only fair to say that all our meetings do not have the same degree of power that was in that one. So did you hear that? So there are varied levels. Sometimes it's like God is saturating the place. Other times you're plowing through this stuff. So he's, he's being honest about that. But listen to what he says. However, we praise God that he's moving strong and steady and steady and clearly. I'm reminded to write you uh, through the reading of Mrs. Anderson's testimony 
as it appears in the triumphs of faith. I have a copy of the letter I wrote some time ago to a missionary by the name of Hoover in Valparaiso, Chile, on the subject of divine healing, which embodies what I regard as the secret of the aggressive ministry of healing that the Pentecostal movement of South Africa demonstrates. So this is apparently when he's, when he's there. I do not know that I'll be able to send you a copy, and he goes on. Let's look at the last uh, paragraph. It says, I feel, sister, that there is a step in this ministry in advance of what the Pentecostal movement in general enjoys. So in other words, he's saying that they're experiencing stuff in the healing ministry that a lot of the other camps of their day were not experiencing. So he's going to tell us why. God has laid it deeply on my soul to present this particular phase of the exercise of the dominion of Jesus Christ. And that the secret of our success here in this ministry is in our teaching our workers to exercise the dominion of God through the Holy Ghost. So did you hear that? That's what he attributed all these miracles and all the stuff that took place teaching all the workers to exercise the dominion of God through the Holy Ghost, and that he has already put in their soul, this is important, when he baptized them. What did he put in your soul when he baptized you? Holy Ghost and dominion. While in other branches of this work, they still follow largely the old line or the old way of intercession for the sick. Right? Because remember, prayer is talking to God about the problem. We do not pray for God to come and heal as in the old days. I mean, this is the old days for us. And he's saying as in the old days. So it's like, Lord, help us catch up already. I love this. But looking into his face, believing that he's baptized us in the Holy Ghost. Did you hear that? Believing that he's baptized us in the Holy Ghost. And that we have received the power of God through that baptism, command in the name of Jesus, the devil and his works to depart. Now listen again. Nevertheless, dear sister, there are instances when God puts the real spirit of intercession even for the sick upon you. I'm convinced that there is a secret and a better place of interceding for the sick through exercising a dominion of God over the devil and his sicknesses, that when we learned by the Pentecostal movement, will put the ministry of healing miles in advance of where it is now. His name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Such as I have, give I thee. And as Jesus maketh thee whole, we have never caught the force of Jesus' words, proclaim or command liberty to the captive. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loose in heaven. Amen? It was through the healing of a young man from Detroit, Michigan, in your faith home at Buffalo, that my interest for this ministry was first captured. It was not until many years afterward, when through the teaching of John Alexander Dowie, that I really grasped the thing, so that the knowledge of the ministry became vital. It was only after I had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost that the dominion of God entered my soul, that compelled me to command sickness and the devil to leave, rather than to intercede with the Lord to take them away. Isn't that important? Hallelujah. I always like to read that at the end. All right. 